Welcome back to the Best of Health podcast. My goal is simple. Each episode, I hope to provide you with insightful conversations with a varied scope of healthcare professionals, clinicians, researchers, functional medicine practitioners, and industry leaders to open up the dialogue to inspire you, the listener, to consider that declining health as we age is not a given, and that with the right information, many chronic diseases are indeed preventable. I hope to engage and inspire everyone to achieve the very best of health. Welcome back to the Best of Health podcast and today I am really excited to have with me on the podcast Dr Nikki Kay who I came across very recently through my passion and interest in all things female hormones. Dr. Nikki Kay is is the leading and the chief medical officer for a company, Fourth With Life, which we will be talking about in detail. She is a a highly talented woman. She is a member of the Royal College of Physicians. Uh, She is an honorary lecturer in medicine at UCL, and she is an endocrinologist as well. Uh, she uh, is a research fellow at St. Thomas's Hospital and she has extensive clinical and research experience in the fields, as I've just said, in endocrinology, which for those of you that are not practitioners listening, which are many, basically means anything to do with hormones. So um, I'm really excited. And she is a, such an interesting person because she is also a passionate dancer. Uh, though you won't be able to see because this is a podcast, but I'm looking at Nikki now and she is uh, she has success in her studio and she's got a plethora of bikes in the background and uh, a bar. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Dr. Dr. K. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. No, well, listen, thank you so much for inviting me. And as you say, um, I'm passionate about hormones, so I'm always delighted to have a good chat and conversation and discussion about hormones. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. So we were talking before we sort of went live that we are both sort of have a, a passion about, about women's hormones. And I, it has become such a topical conversation which is great that we are talking about that more and one of the taglines or comments on the fourth with life website is 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 that that grabs me is that women's menstrual cycles are so unique and, and it is a reflection of women's health and I often refer to that as every time a woman cycles it's about it's like depositing health into a bank account for future for future mm-hmm. health could you talk to that a little bit uh nikki if that's okay if i call you nikki yeah yeah sure well that's exactly how i think about uh female menstrual cycles uh there i refer to menstruation periods as a barometer of healthy internal hormones mm-hmm. um so that's uh, you know it's your free monthly health check Mm. So, you know, we, I know that, listen, we're going to talk and sometimes, yeah, there can be problems and they, you might not feel your best every single cycle. We have to be realistic, but hey, that's life. But nevertheless, you should actually be really happy and look at it as a positive thing that you have this, uh, you know, free monthly health check. Of course, we're talking, I think we should uh, make clear women who aren't on hormonal contraception. 
So if you're on hormonal contraception, obviously it's going to interfere with your internal hormones. So we're not talking about withdrawal bleeds if you're on the combined oral contraceptive pill. Uh, but nevertheless, um, uh, menstrual cycles, yeah, what can I say about them? They're brilliant. I mean, if you were going to talk about the nitty gritty of what's going on inside, but they're the most beautiful of all. Of course they are. They're female. Of course they are. Of course they are. They're the most beautiful, intricate, delicate network. Absolutely fascinating what's going on inside your body. Um, so yeah, it's that's really uh, is so interesting. But as you say, it's ultimately also a reflection of a woman's health because why are that? Why you know why is this so important? Because those hormones that uh, go through this fluctuation every month, these are key to your health, all aspects of your health, <laughs> mental and physical. So um, yes, I think we should definitely make a celebration yes. <laughs> uh, for female yeah. cycles. They're great. <laughs> And I think that that in of itself is very interesting, isn't it? Because the sort of the the terminology around oh, it's my hormones is delivered. The 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 dialogue is delivered in that way, all the way through that those decades that women do menstruate, and then suddenly now it is all about we want hormone replacement therapy because we're now we're now recognizing. <laughs> Or there is now a dialogue that we need we need estrogen as an example and whereas in the decades that are leading up to that it is sort of framed in a more negative in, way it's a, got a negative connotation if you say oh you're hormonal i if someone says that to me i'm delighted yes like, i take that as a compliment yes exactly i say yes absolutely i i'm very proud thank goodness my hormones are working i'm good that my hormones are working Absolutely. so i think women should be very positive about it as we say we have to be realistic and you know there are tough times that go with that that's true but hey we're women you know yes. we deal with stuff so that's not you know that that's fine uh, and absolutely uh, you know, you go through your life sometimes maybe with this negative connotation around them and whatever. And then, of course, as you say, and then you get to the the end of that that episode in your life. I'll put yes. it like that. So and then are. suddenly you realize it's like, oh, now you're missing something that you had. And actually, you see what I mean? So it's like those yes. things you shouldn't have regrets about. Oh, gosh, I would, wish I'd realized that these were really good things, you know, yes. so. Uh, if you're listening to this and, and you're still and you are young <laughs> and having menstrual cycles, then hooray, be positive about them from now on, because, you know, when they stop, which they will do for all of us, yeah. you know, later in our lives, then, um, you know, then you'll realize actually, ah, yes, there was something very good about those uh, those precious hormones. Yes. So there, there are a couple of many, many comments in there that I'd like to sort of like to dig a bit deeper into. Uh, one is certainly around delineating the difference between a bleed and and having a natural cycle when somebody is on, for example, the oral contraceptive pill, which I think is really important message for women to, to, to understand the difference. But before we do that, um, could we let's let's just talk about the sort of the four, if we like, the sort of the. the the, what I would call is the triggering hormones and then sort of the key sort of headline actions of what is the what are these health benefits that we that you and I are celebrating so when we talk about hormones like estrogen or estradiol and progesterone um let's let's sort of let's maybe just um headline sort of some of the key actions that that, that beautiful orchestra that, that music, that orchestra that they play together and, and what some of those health benefits are. Hmm. Well, um, I like the way you use orchestra because um, 
I was taught, uh, you know, as a, as a medical student, which is a long time ago. Anyway, uh, you know, the pituitary gland, which is the boss pretty much of most of the hormone networks, that's the conductor of endocrine orchestra. So the pituitary gland is the boss. And if we're talking, if we focus about uh, these female uh, menstrual cycles, uh, the control hormones that the pituitary releases are FSH and LH, follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone. And those in turn um, go down to the ovary and instruct the ovary when to produce estradiol and progesterone. So estradiol is the most active form of estrogen, the female hormone, and progesterone um, is another uh, ovarian hormone, the response hormone, as I refer to them. Um, and if you pick up any uh, textbook or, or sort of physiology book, you will see these four hormones that we're talking about, the control ones, FSH and LH, and you'll see the response ones, the ovarian ones, estradiol and progesterone, doing their lovely fluctuations. So that's what's happening inside you in terms of the, the, the health benefits or consequences. Uh, that's really down to the ovarian hormones um, yeah. because the FSH and LH are more just like the messenger ones. I mean, obviously important in the whole network, and if those aren't working, then uh, you've got a problem. But the ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone, I mean, I like to look at it in three main uh, benefits. Uh, first of all, there's the cardiovascular system, so uh, the heart and the blood vessels. And we know that when, for example, your estradiol goes low, whether that's because your periods stop uh, or uh, during menopause, then we know that there's uh, an adverse effect on cardiovascular health, and that's why the risk of uh, cardiovascular disease increases in menopausal women to equal that of men. So the first one, number one, if we're ticking them off, number one, yes. very good for your, for, uh, your cardiovascular system, the health. Uh, secondly, there's uh, the neurological system. Again, there's good evidence to show that women who aren't having periods and therefore have low estradiol levels, uh, it, of course, it can affect your mood. And also it can affect, uh, there was a study to show it actually affects the coordination and the strength reaction time. So um, that's, the, that's number two on the list. And number three, which I think probably is the one that people are most familiar with, uh, is bone health. Yes. So we know uh, everyone will be familiar with the word, I'm sure, osteoporosis, weak bones, brittle bone disease and fractures. And after the menopause, again, as a good example of what happens when your estradiol goes very low, of course, there's a risk of osteoporosis, and that means uh, compression fractures of your vertebral spine. You lose height. Um, that's happening to my mother. She used to be taller than me. Now she's a lot shorter than me, and she's got that very stooped posture, dowager's hump. Uh, and of course, the risk of uh, fracturing on the hip if you fall over. So those, I mean, I could make, I could go through the whole body. No, no, I, so sure. the problem, no, but you get the gist. Those are the three key areas. I mean, there's also the gut as well. But anyway, so, you know, these are really, really important hormones uh, for for your health. Fantastic. And the the also the role um, with mood as, as it relates yeah. to serotonin as well. There is some interesting yep. research. Absolutely, because it's a neurotransmitter, serotonin, yes. the happy, happy hormone. Um, along with oxytocin and so exactly estradiol, estradiol is very important in that whole uh, process uh, so you know these are that's what I say when I said health both in terms of physical health and mental health 
So that's these hormones. These hormones are brilliant. <laughs> yeah, they are. And when I'm talking to clients, I quite often describe estrogen as like the diva. We all need a bit of diva as a woman. We all need a bit. She's the building. She's the kind of and when yes. we're that element of us when we are menstruating, that sort of that level of our cycle that where estrogen is more dominant. We yep. are there is more of that, we're more confident. And then yep. progesterone I refer to as sort of like our calming best friend, really. Yeah. As- yeah. I mean generally you're right, progesterone tends to get a bit of more negative in the sense that, you know, it can be associated maybe with, you know, premenstrual issues. But actually there are good studies to show that progesterone also plays an important part in health. Uh, you can have these uh, so-called subclinical ovulatory cycles where you might have a regular period, but actually the full range of the hormones isn't going according to plan. And so you don't get, um, you know, the progesterone that you would expect after ovulation. And actually that is also linked with cardiovascular health. So, you know what I mean? Both of those hormones together, but you're right. I like the diva one, but also there's a, there's a sort of, you know, the, the uh, how do you call them i don't know the, the co-star or whatever is progesterone um so both of these working in harmony uh that's really super important so that's interesting so you that you've said that there's research around um if maybe so if there are shorter if even if a woman has ovulated and maybe let's just back up and explain what that means to some of our listeners so would you like to do that would you like to yeah explain? sure so um the full men- the so the menstrual cycle um it's divided into two halves sound a bit like football now anyway uh, <laughs> i didn't mean that uh, right. so, so so the first bit of the cycle is sort of the build up to ovulation mm-hmm. it's, it starts heralded with the menstruation with the period itself and Lovely. then the rest of that bit is called the follicular phase so the follicle is the little uh developing egg in the ovary and it's sort of building up, being prepared to be ovulated. Uh, and you mentioned that's when estradiol goes super high, just around ovulation. And then ovulation should occur. The, the egg uh, is uh, pushed out of the ovary and wends its way down to the uterus. And as a result of the ovulation, then progesterone starts going up. Now we enter the luteal phase. Okay, yep. It's called that because in the ovary, the remnants of uh, where that egg was ovulated from that becomes the thing called the corpus luteum hence the Mm -hmm. word luteal phase and it's the corpus luteum that produces that second diva the uh, progesterone so there's the follicular phase generally i would say the i think that estrogen is going super high that's how i think of it and then after ovulation that's now the luteal phase and now progesterone has the stage estrogen estradiol still relatively high but progesterone should go up and then you uh, if the egg isn't fertilized then you repeat the whole process. You start off the next menstrual period. So that's that's the full repertoire. But there can be occasions where things don't go quite according to plan for whatever reason. Uh, external stress, training low too high, not fueling enough, these sorts of things. And so um, you might not uh, ovulate. Typically, if you don't ovulate, typically you would expect a shorter cycle and a yeah. lighter bleed because you haven't proved produce those dizzying heights of estradiol to provoke ovulation and you haven't had the therefore the corpus luteum hasn't formed the progesterone hasn't formed uh been produced and so you would expect a shorter cycle the lighter bleed and generally that's true but uh there is evidence to show that women um this thing called subclin 
uh, subclinical and ovulatory cycle, there isn't that obvious sign that is a shorter lighter and a lighter bleed cycle. Actually, it could, to all intents and purposes, be a normal length, but actually the ovulation hasn't quite happened. So you can call it subclinical and ovulatory. I've also seen it described as uh, luteal, uh, luteal phase insufficiency. You can use whatever word you wish. Um, but these are the things, unless you measure the hormones, you won't know. And that's really, and we've said how important these hormones are. So potentially, you know, this is something we uh, need to be looking out for. But to date, the testing for that, um, you know, the standard medical protocol is we do a blood test on day three of the cycle. Which I was just about, yeah. You, yeah, and you the reason, just, why do we do that? It's I, like, why do we do that? Well, it's a bit frustrating because I have to tell you, it's it's uh, it's you're gonna it's when the hormones will be at their most quiescent, and so you're not really going to get a lot of information unless there's an absolute, uh, you know, uh, barn door diagnosis, if I can put it like that. Yeah. Even women who are not who are amenorrheic, not having menstrual cycles, they often come to me and say, "Oh, but my doctor said that the blood test was in the normal range. It's in the normal range, but it's the right at the lower end of the normal range." Okay. So there is a problem, but the reason why we do it on day three is because if we say do it on another day in the cycle, okay, let's say, right, go and do it on day 14, and yeah. the results come back to you, how do you know, you're going to wonder, now, is that LH and estradiol really high because we've caught it just when the woman's ovulating, or is it actually a sign that something else is going on, so we yeah. can't place it? You know, it's like just randomly looking at something and you don't know, without any clues, you don't know where you are in the cycle. So that's why it is that standard protocol of doing on day three. But it is frustrating for everybody because you can't get all this detail that we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, which is why there needed to be a new system. Yes. Um, and so um, fortunately, there's a mathematical thing called machine learning. Um, and I'm not a mathematician, so I'll explain it how I understand it, right? Uh, so ma uh, machine learning, uh, it makes uh, use of the smallest amount of data, but makes the maximum value from it, okay, is the simplest way of explaining or how I understand it. And this is absolutely the leading L, uh, edge in healthcare. The Chief yes. Medical Officer of England in the report 2017 um said this is going this is the way to uh personalize medicine machine learning so we take advantage of all this medical knowledge and understanding everything we've been talking about hormones we know a lot about them we know what happens what should happen normally so with that information and individual information from the woman how long are your cycles let's get the, that individual insight let's put that individual background information Let's combine that with all this medical knowledge we have about the timing of the hormones. Yeah. And let's apply that to just two samples, blood samples taken during your cycle. Okay. Yep. Um, and if we put all of that information into an algorithm using this uh, machine learning process, we can produce a very, very good, it is an estimate to be fair, yes. it is an estimate, but it's the best estimate we can possibly have of what your hormones, all four that we describe, FSH, LH, um, estradiol and progesterone, what are they doing for you, for you as an individual woman, what are they doing during the cycle? 
it's far more it's far more respectful and of that intricacy of that. absolutely absolutely yeah. it's it's respectful of the medical and we know the medical we have the medical knowledge we know what happens to the hormone so it's respectful using all that um you know medical knowledge we've accumulated over hundreds of years about what happens with the hormones but also it's respectful of the individual woman it's yeah. not assuming that we are all exactly clockwork and exactly the same because we're not and i love the quote from the vice president of the royal college of obstetric gynecology she says treat women as individuals not statistics and yes. that so that is i love that one so that is what we have done um you know with all my medical staff and some some very clever maths people um and that's what we're doing uh i'm so proud and excited at fourth that we can now offer this opportunity to women so you can know what your hormones are doing now it might be that actually it comes back and you're absolutely fine everything is perfect as you would expect and that's also reassuring in itself it's like yes. fine that's fine that's fine. But also it will pick up these subtleties we've described, which might otherwise go on, you know, would otherwise be missed. Is everything happening? Is this ovulation happening? Or actually, is there something else going on? Um, I work a lot with um, exercisers, athletes, dancers, where it's a very fine balance between how much exercise you do, how much your fuel. And I've been using it with uh, professor, professional dancers, and it's a really great indicator to pick up if there are early issues. I would much prefer to pick it up then, and rather than the dancer comes to me after six months, hopping in with a stress fracture saying, oh, well, actually my periods have stopped for the last six months, now I've got a stress fracture. Much prefer, from mm -hmm. everyone's point of view, to know already there is something not quite right, and let's jump in there early before your periods stop. And also in the recovery of those uh, periods, if they if they do stop, and then I use this to help uh, women restore their periods. But the other big group of women, I think this is going to be really revolutionary for, is the perimenopausal uh, women, um, because if you're perimenopause, and I can speak personally, because yeah, I've been there, done that, right? So I know, you know, uh, however prepared you are for it, and obviously I knew what was coming. I knew that yes this is what's going to happen to my hormones. And I, I've read every single line of the Royal College website and a member of the British Menopause Society. It's like, yeah, yeah I've got this, I, I'm ready. But then it happened. It's like, oh my God, I don't like this. And also <laughs> I realized that if, then I thought, what happened if I didn't know all of this? What happened if this was happening to me and I was so emotional and I was forgetting things and you know, what would happen? I would be really, really scared. And at the moment, um, you know, there isn't really any, there isn't a definitive test for the reason we just described, because yes. it would be day three and it's not going to pick up anything. It might be normal, or, you know, it's most likely to be normal actually, because, you know, it's an well, ultimate fault. So, yeah. and anyway, and actually, and quite rightly, nice guidelines say, uh, you know, advise us not to do a blood test. And I agree because you might yes. give the woman the wrong impression. You might turn around and say, hey, it's absolutely normal. And that makes you feel awful as a woman. It's like, oh my God, maybe I'm going mad. So this is another um, situation where I think this new approach to hormone intelligence uh, is going oh, to be really that. helpful for women in that, it's the uncertainty. You just want to know one way or the other, because after all, it could be something else. It could be that you have got uh, low energy availability. It could be that you've got, uh, you know, your thyroid is a low, Absolutely. underactive thyroid, or it could be 
yes, actually, this is the ovaries are kind of not uh, not uh, not pulling their weight, being a bit recalcitrant, and then actually that's a reassurance. It's like, okay, fine, I know what's happening, and then you can monitor it, repeat the test. I've just had a woman this morning. We did the test, and actually, it shows that she was getting symptoms, but I, we I really couldn't say because there was such an overlap with low, with uh, reds relative energy deficiency in, in sport and she was you know in that 40s age group and i said to her I, I i'm not sure about this let's do the test and lo and behold it showed that it was uh, the perimenopause and so now we're going to repeat that in a few months just keep track of it see what's happening but it means now she knows there's a reason and she's prepared so i've already sent her all the homework to read up about hrt uh, you know, so it just gives you that um, takes away that uncertainty and gives you feel you feel more in control. You know what's going on and you can make plans and and, and whatever, you know, do your research on HRT, et cetera, rather than it coming out just like not this uncertainty it would. It's horrible. So it that's uh, where I think uh, this new exciting development uh, will help women of all ages, of all ages. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, oh, just it's so exciting. It's such an exciting tool. And I I get very frustrated with so many social media posts on and sort of testing hormones at the either at the wrong time or not using science led testing uh, and then sort of giving advice that is not really not. Yes, because it's not based on you need the facts. Number one, you need the facts, and then the and then the advice you give needs to be tailored to the individual. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, a lot of misinformation about HRT. I mean, it is available on the NHS, the good stuff, as I put it, uh, regulated, yep. Um, yep. licensed HRT. Um, yep. You know the and it's exactly molecularly identical to what you produce yourself. So again, you know, but women are prey, unfortunately. Unfortunately, because of this uncertainty, and you would be desperate, you do feel really. And if someone says, "Oh, I've got the solution," uh, you, you know, you would. I can understand. You might might get followed down that, as you say, not such a good path. But now there is the science, there is the uh, medical expertise to really help you, so you yep. can know. And also, then after that, following on from that, there is, you know. Uh, there is access through the NHS to HRT if if that's appropriate. Absolutely. So so maybe let's talk a little bit then about some other than HRT or alongside HRT mm -hmm. in, a, in a segue. What yeah. is? Um, I mean, I know that the there. I sort of recently wrote a post saying that any 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 intervention is only as good as the environment in which you're asking it to work. So mm -hmm. what a good point. You put that so well. Um, so I th also think, again, looking on all these things positively. Yeah. So the perimenopause, it's a normal physiological process. It's not a disease. No, nope. it is challenging. I accept. Um, but it's, you know, it's a normal physiological thing. But actually, why not use it on it as a positive opportunity to review your lifestyle factors? You know, how about it? Are you doing the exercise? Are you doing, uh, you know, weight bearing exercise? Are you doing strength training? My son's a cycle coach and he does keep reminding me. Anyway, um, so, you know, are you doing the right type of exercise? Are you doing enough? Uh, also, just have a review of your diet, your nutrition. What, you know, have you got the right balance of things, etc. So you're absolutely right. 
you've got to uh, you know make sure you've got the basics right as uh, the fundamentals in place in terms of your behaviors your choices and then of course there there we have HRT and by the way um, you know the risk of breast cancer with HRT is very low Oh, very. Um, it's an extra four cases per a thousand women. Okay, um, but guess what? If you exercise for in relatively intensely for two and a half hours per week, your risk of breast cancer there is there uh, that decreases by seven cases. Seven. So if you do your maths, HRT plus four, exercise minus seven. You see what I mean? You're Actually, there's another yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Whereas conversely, if you are uh, you know, overweight and, uh, you know, you're drinking uh, alcohol. I mean, a lot of alcohol. Yes. I mean, we're all allowed, of course, you know. Um, then actually, whopping increased number of cases of breast cancer, 24. So now that's why compared to HRT and exercise. So as you, I think you make a very good point that it's a good opportunity just to review yeah. what you're doing. It might be that everything is fine, you've ticked everything, or it might be like me that, Actually, you know, you should listen to your <laughs> your sons and do your strength training. So, you know, why not look at the things that you have under your control? Because there will be some women for whom HRT is contraindicated, you know, a yes. very close or personal family history of breast cancer. So, you know, anyway, whoever you are, uh, whether you're going to take HRT or not, then absolutely looking at those aspects is uh, super important, as it is at any age, of course. Yes. Okay. Great. And strength training is, is there a, um, obviously it's important to, to build muscle as well as, as, because as we come into that last transition of perimenopause and then into menopause, uh, one of the roles of estrogen and progesterone is just works with sensitizing cells to insulin. So it's the, that sort of metabolic area is, is, as the brain recalibrates is, is somewhat harder. So yeah, exactly. So, so the body composition um, tends to change, yeah. but you can actively do something about that. And that's yeah. why strength training in particular, it doesn't have to be going down to the gym doing deadlifts. You'll be pleased to hear. I mean, you can, if you want, but uh, if it's not your thing, it's not mine. Uh, then, you know, um, resistance bands, Pilates, that sort of strength. I mean, I do a lot of ballet and actually that is you know weight bearing strength so something like that so it is for your body composition encourages yes. uh, muscle but also for bone health uh, because um, if you've got strong muscles strong muscles pull on bone and that helps with bone strength um, so lots of pluses to doing it but as I say don't think outside the box if you don't like pumping iron at the gym I don't uh, it doesn't have to be that look at other ways other opportunities other other ways of doing it and i think there are there are that's one of the one of the positives from the last year is that we have had to be more creative about yes, our exactly. exercise of if, if those people that were gym bunnies we've had to be more creative in terms of moving and creating strength work and there are so many there are so many resources available to to women that are many many of which are free to be able to integrate mm -hmm. that and, and sort of deposit that into our health bank, which mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the um, uh, Royal Osteoporosis Society, it's mainly for bone health, as the name suggests, but they have a very good free um, poster called Strong, Straight, Steady. That's for bone health. 
Um, and I'm very pleased to see that on that information sheet, they uh, mentioned, they do mention dancing, <laughs> right? Oh, it, doesn't be, it doesn't have to be ballet, but, you know, dancing because it's to music, it's fun, it makes your brain think, um, and you're changing direction, so that's good for bone health. So, yes. as I say, do the most important thing, and I say this all the time, um, something that has got to be something you enjoyed, you know, um, and that's what I found often when I was sitting in diabetic clinics, um, you know, there's no point in me sitting there saying, oh, you should be doing, you know, three times 20 minutes cardio a week or whatever. But that I would start the conversation like, what exercise do you like doing? And if the answer is none, which sometimes it is, yeah, then let's find something. Well, let's just work on that. Could we start off with just doing some walking? You know, just find out, explore what there is. Do you, do you want to do it in a group of people? Well, I know we, when I say group, I know we have restrictions at the moment, but you know, going for a walk outside with people or whatever it is, yeah, yeah. sometimes that can help. On the other hand, some people prefer doing it by themselves. So it is very important to find something that you enjoy because if you enjoy it, you will stick to it. And it is a deal breaker, really, isn't it? At this stage in a woman's life, they, we need to move. And it's, yes, exactly. It's, mm -hmm. And yeah. everyone's different. Everyone is different. Every woman's different. So find out what you, what, uh, what you enjoy doing. Brilliant. Great. Okay. And could you, uh, could you explain what we, where the, where the research is currently on what is the, what causes the, the flushing that a lot of, and the, and the hot flushes that a lot of women do experience. Thanks. I was gratefully, I, I, it wasn't too bad for me, but I know many of my clients, it, it is it has been very very yes, it was for me was it? <laughs> I'm, I'm normally a cold person i'm the one turning up the thermostat in the house you know yes, normally but then yes. suddenly i was like oh my god isn't it it's really hot and my family were looking at me it's like what's wrong with her <laughs> in addition to my mood changes and everything else they really thought i'd lost the plot anyway so um i mean to be absolutely honest we don't exactly no it's basically oh. your temperature regulation is a little bit up the spout and the temperature regulation is located in the brain so there yeah. are some theories that maybe it is the, uh, you know, the FSH and LH going high, which are there in the pituitary. Maybe that causes the temperature regulation to go a little bit uh, off skew. Uh, I don't think there's an absolute, I mean, maybe you've seen something recently, but I think the honest answer is we don't, can't exactly pinpoint what it is, yeah. but what it, rather than in general terms, just to say the hormone, the network, this feedback loop, which normally work works absolutely perfectly during your reproductive years it just comes unstuck yeah. <laughs> um and so that really is the most the sort of simplest explanation but it must be something more central because that's temperature uh, that's where the temperature regulation center in, is, in, in that area so i yeah. think i'm more in favor of it something to do with that mechanism yes okay I sort of envisage that conductor, the it's literally banging the baton, so trying to get the orchestra back into. And it is. Well, you see, and you see that on the blood test, literally yeah. the FSH and ALH are really high because they're absolutely, yeah, exactly, really trying to speed up the tempo. Like, come on. It's like, but yeah, it doesn't, the ovaries, it's like, I mean, to be fair, the ovaries do a pretty darn good job. And so, yeah, you know, they just had enough. And also it's evolution, of course. Yes. Uh, you know, now we've got an increased life expectancy because back in the, you know, 
whenever it was, the, the Tudor ages, you know, women would often die, number one, in childbirth, although life expectancy, they wouldn't get to the menopause, really. But now, because of increased life expectancy, we might spend a third of our life as a woman in the menopause. So, you yeah. know, it was really got to think, it's not just, oh, how long can we live? It's quality of life, which is another thing that the Vice President of the Royal College says. We really should be talking about quality of life. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, listen, I think we could talk about this all day, but that's, we could. <laughs> so we that could. do you want to go back on what you were saying about yes. the hormonal contraception? Or... Yes, that's perfect. You've read my mind. So before we close, could we just circle back to, um, we've talked, so to summarize, mm -hmm. we've talked about sort of these menstruals, about the menstrual cycle, about being for, for health, optimal health for many reasons. And, um, there are. The freedom of being of the oral contraceptive pill, of course, is is fantastic for women. But I think it's important for women to understand that that is not essentially we're shutting off that the conductor, and that's sort of really what I wanted to. I really value your opinion. Yes, well, exactly because as we said, you know, every it's every woman's choice. She's an individual. Uh, and you, we have the opportunity now of various forms of contraception. So I'm not, you know, it's, it's your choice, but there are some provisos to that, that um, women should be aware of uh, the combined oral contraceptive pill, as you say, it literally shuts it down. So if I took a blood test of a, and I can see it, if a woman does a blood test uh, on the hormonal contraceptive pill, everything will be absolutely low. I mean, not low, but like out of range low. FSH, LH, like you said, it switches off the conductor and estradiol and progesterone also. Um, it's true there, of course, that's because there are synthetic uh, hormones in the pill. But the, although it might have, those might have fooled the pituitary, the conductor, they do not fool the rest of the body. So yeah. there's good evidence to show, for example, that that synthetic uh, form of uh, estradiol doesn't really help with bone health, for example. So, and also you switched off that, um, you know, that free medical check, monthly medical check we're talking about. So although you might get a withdrawal bleed, that's not your own, that's not your own period. And that's why there are certain provisos, like I said, you should not give, or you should not take the oral contraceptive pill if your periods have stopped, if you're amenorrheic. And that's yeah. from the endocrine society guidelines, because it's, because for this reason, it masks what's going on with your own hormones and it's not bone protective. And there's also new research to show that um, giving uh, the combined oral to young teenagers can affect their bone health for the reason we've just discussed. It's been lot known for a long time that the uh, depot, the injection of progesterone as a contraceptive can affect bone health. And there's in fact in the States, a yellow card, a warning thing about that for youngsters. But actually now there's evidence emerging that's the combined oral. So I am concerned as I said, it's every woman's choice. Yes. But it should be, of course, informed choice. You should know that there are certain downsides. And also, it should not be a reflex reaction to teenagers with a few spots. I've spoken to, and That's I've exactly spoken to my colleague. Yeah, my, I've spoken to a colleague, a gynecologist colleague at uh, King's uh, College London, and she was in agreement. She said, yes, um, we wish we could put a stop to that. Teenagers, your hormones are changing. You will be spotty, sorry. You might not, but you know. It doesn't mean that every single teenager you see with a few spots has got PCOS, okay? So, um, yes. <laughs> so yes, no, exactly. Please don't bung them on the pill because it really, um, yeah. And also in athletes or dancers who haven't started their periods, absolutely, primary amenorrhea 
please not don't um, be cajoled or fooled into saying, oh, this will kickstart your periods or do precisely the opposite. So I know that sounds like I'm really negative about the combined oral contraceptive pill. Um, but the, I think, as a, you know, women are intelligent. We need to know the facts. Uh, and also the other thing to say is that it is very good for some medical conditions. If you have true PCOS, where there's high uh, testosterone and, you know, follicles on the ovaries, et cetera, et cetera, multiple follicles there in irregular cycles, um, and very high estrogen, by the way, in that case, then actually the combined oral is good because it does shut down every, all the hormones, you see. So yeah. there, are, there is a place for the combined oral and also endometriosis, which is effectively driven by female hormones. So as I say, combined, uh, you know, it's a great breakthrough of science. But it you needs to be used with care and not just ubiquitous, you know, chucked out to every woman there. Um, and also the progesterone only is, is an option. And although some progesterone only, they're sort of milder in the sense that they don't suppress ovulation. For example, the marina coil. Um, some of them actually do. So you have to be very careful, read, you know, really do your research and find out is this suppression of ovulation or not. So those aren't so... Uh, dramatic it doesn't doesn't have such a dramatic down regulation on your hormones but the only thing is then again the you often don't get any sort of bleed at all so then it makes it tricky again you've lost the free medical monthly check you see yeah. um yeah. so you know just i think women you know as i say we're you know women are intelligent just be really really read all the information and be really aware are you taking it for the right reason in the Absolutely. sense that um you know don't be fooled to think this is a substitute for your own hormones and there are some down definitely some downsides to it so i think just i think women just you know should be aware of these of these things yeah and i think that's a, a great place to sort of to round that up for now i'd love to get you back on in season two because there is as you said there is so much to talk about um but the message that is very clear from you and is is my is my belief too is that we information is power and we have yeah. the right the right and we and the more that we know then the more and being more informed provides yeah. us with that power and yeah. that's and that is our right and it's not antagonistic and it's not aggressive no, no, no of course not no it's just about being informed so that we can we can see what is right for that particular life yeah, stage. Make your right the right choices for you as an individual, not just yep. go with the crowd or because you've heard something or other. It's is this the right? Is this the best thing for me? Yep. Um, so really, yeah. Uh, uh, but also, if anyone is interested in that, um, the new way of modelling the hormones, um, please head over uh, to the the fourth. And I think would you be able to post that in the show notes? Absolutely. So let's just let's just that's a great place to finish up. So of course I'll post this all in the show notes. But let's just talk. So it's called the you over to you. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's called um, female hormone mapping. Yeah. Um, and so what you have to do is you have to take finger prick samples. Hooray! So you just prick your finger and yep. you squeeze a little bit of blood in the tube, and you have to do that. Um, for on one menstrual cycle on roughly day 14 and roughly day 21 but don't worry if it's not exact because like i said we will take into account your own personal cycles when you send in your samples you also tell us how long are your cycles normally so we can adjust uh, take that into account and also tell us how you're feeling 
for those seven days before you take the sample. So effectively how you've been feeling through the follicular phase and how you've been feeling during the luteal phase. And we asked five well-being metrics. You will see that about sleep, mood, freshness, hunger, urges, and symptoms. And so that's what you do. You, you um, uh, sign up for this and you'll be sent the kit so you can do those two samples uh, during your cycles. And then you send them back with that information about your cycle length and how you're feeling. Um, and then once both samples are back in the lab, then those samples will be put into uh, the machine modeling uh, algorithm. And then you will be uh, sent um, graphs for each of your hormones. It's very exciting. So you can have your own personal, you can put it up on the wall if you want. I don't mind what you do with yeah, it. You can I have your own, personal, I, I, your I own graph of what each girl. of your hormones are doing. And also there is commentary from me that I have written to explain what this means, okay, in practical terms. It's like, okay, that's high, that's low, what, you know, stuff like this. Also matching it up to how you're feeling. And also you will see at the top, there will be what we're calling the form score, which is the fourth ovarian responsiveness metric. So it gives you an overview. It gives you a score. How am I, how is my network working? And this is particularly helpful, well, it's helpful for all women, but especially the perimenopausal, if it looks like actually it's not, quite up to speed then that can give us give you that little extra insight and then at the bottom of the report you have a few action points by me which you'll be pleased to hear include as appropriate uh, you know about the exercise and looking at your diet and your vitamin d and these uh, things like this maybe depending on the on the woman you know advice about where to look about more information for hrt if she's in that age group bracket yep. or whatever um so yeah it's a pretty um comprehensive uh report and output you'll get and um so yeah please and at the moment very excited it is on an introductory offer so <laughs> yeah. strike strike now if you can um but yeah i'm really excited all i can say is that i've been finding it very useful in research i've been doing with my dancers and also in my clinical practice at the moment i've been finding it very very helpful tool so that women have the answers they're looking for well, I've been I've recommended already five of my clients to to perform it. So they've got their tests, they're doing it. And so, yeah, so I am absolutely um, thrilled that it, it is, as you say, it's for me, it's a game changer. I think this is this is this is the, the way forward. And this is really going to shape the way of true personalized bespoke yeah. med medicine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think this is. Yeah. So thank right. you. So yeah, we'll put the links obviously in the show notes. Um, but the website is fourth www obviously fourth for life, and uh, all those details can be found. And yes, the test female mapping is on special offer for ninety nine pounds at the moment through to the end of June. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Nikki. It has been just. A delight and uh, I look forward to working with you in the future and uh, thank you to you and your team for bringing this to market it is just groundbreaking thank you so much thank you I've really enjoyed having a discussion with you as you say we could talk all day but we'll save yeah. that for another time for part two so it's been uh, an absolute pleasure and delight and really excited to you know be pushing forward advances with uh, female health